years and got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. It's been like this the whole time, Deacon, on dishes, and it still hasn't moved in five years. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. Yeah, you're missing no, I know. Not the I know. flat meeting about how cool you are. When you get three vampires in a flat, obviously there's going to be a lot of tension. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I still am yet to watch the huge global success that is Barbie. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Uh, for my sins, I have watched Barbie, so yes. <laughs> for your sins. <laughs> <laughs> See, okay. I, I, I had an opportunity to watch it earlier this week, but some, you know, had to reshuffle some things, so I, got, I missed out. Producer Dave, tell us how much you loved Barbie. Oh, no, I didn't love Barbie. I was surprised <laughs> by Barbie. It was better than I thought it was going to be, but... Uh, you know, it's one of those films that I've watched once. I'm not too sure that I will sit through it again. The set design is brilliant and the characterizations are really good as well. Ryan Gosling kind of stole it away from Margot Robbie, but it's about dolls and I have no interest in dolls whatsoever. So that's where Barbie and I kind of diverge in our interests. So, I mean, I did not know, for instance, that there was a pregnant Barbie, which they had on sale for a short while before they cut it. And I didn't know that they had a, a character name of Alan. He was just there. <laughs> <laughs> Even he didn't know why he was there. As if Alan was in, in the Barbie film as a character or that there was a, a toy released as part of the Barbie line called Alan. That, that's right. There was a toy released as Alan part of Barbie Land. In the film, he, he turned and said, I don't know why I'm here. What, what's Mar Margot Robbie's performance like as Barbie? She was really good. You, you, you totally believed that she was a Barbie. Where things went wrong for me was when she went into the real world. Um, I, I, I just didn't get all of that. Sure. It, was, okay. it was part of her journey, obviously, she, because yeah. it's a, kind of a Pinocchio story. She starts off as a doll and ends up wanting to become human and becomes human. Okay. As far as I'm All concerned, right. one of the funniest lines in it was when she was in the real world, seeing what it's like in the real world. Yeah. And she gets accosted by these guys. She looks like Barbie, you know, svelte. They were sort of like wolfish to them at her and what have you. And she turned and said to them, I don't have a vagina. 
and Ken has no penis. <laughs> and what made me laugh even more was the look on Ken's face, Ryan Gosling's face, when she said, and Ken has no penis. It, it just like dropped a mile. It, it was hilarious. It, that was really funny as far as I was concerned. So, so just one, one thing I want to ask, and this is because I obviously one of the one of the major review that was coming out about the Barbie movie was about its attitude towards men. Uh, and it all depends on how you, which which avenue you fall under. If you fall under the hard, Hollywood is emasculating men and promoting women and whatnot, or the other side where it's, it's more empowering women and it doesn't really emasculate. Which side of that argument do you fall on? I think, to be quite honest, in the context of Barbie, and the doll and the Barbie, the universe, it stayed true to what it was doing. Basically, Ken was nothing without Barbie. Ken was there as basically a handbag for Barbie. And I think this is one of the things that Ken started to realize as well. He is nothing without Barbie. In the first part of the film, you see him trying to please Barbie in every way, shape or form, get to be noticed by Barbie, because basically Barbie is Barbie. You have all these different characters, all these different women who are Barbies. Yeah. There's, there's the equivalent uh, Kens of all different types, black, white, Asian, what have you. They're all there. They're all there for your enjoyment or your or the sale, basically. Ken is nothing without Barbie. So yeah. When he realizes this and he's in the real world, he discovers patriarchy and he takes it back to Barbie land. That's, that's a whole different matter quite entertaining on that score. You know, it kind of addresses some of the problems that women face in today's culture, but some of the ones that you see in the film are of its own making, the Barbie making. Yeah. Um, There's there's a scene where they go to the dolls makers, Mattel, and that's Will Farrell. He's the CEO of um, Mattel. Yeah. It's quite funny. (laughs) It is quite funny. And I can't remember his name, the guy who started- Will Farrell. Stafflet's flats. Yes, yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, he's he he makes a lot of appearances in in a number of different uh, American uh, TV shows at the moment. I mean, Jamie Dimitrio. He's popped up in a number of things because I've seen some of the trailers of Barbie. I saw him pop up in that. I also I've seen three different people from Sex Education. So the three people from Sex Education: uh, Emma McKay, she plays Maeve. Uh, Nkutsi Gotoa, who played Eric, and uh, Connor Swindells, who played Adam Groff. Uh, the three of them, I think I saw them in the adverts. I don't know how many more from Sex Education pop up in Barbie, but I I, I think I think uh, Gretchen Moll, who directed it, I think it's Gretchen Moll, I might be mistaken, might be, I, 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 I'll double check just to see. Uh, but I think she said in an interview a long time ago that she was a fan of sex education so no wonder she picked a whole bunch of people to be in it yeah and there's also oh i can't remember his name he was in um five rings i i don't know which one that is five rings you don't mean marvel shang chi in the yes that's <laughs> it yeah he was shang- in. five rings you mean shang chi and the um yeah so yeah shang chi oh uh, yes uh simu lu he's he's the um Greta Gerwig, not Gretchen, not Gretchen Moore, someone completely different. Director of Barbie, Greta, uh, Greta Gerwig. But yes, yeah, Simu Liu is, is one of the Kens, the Asian Ken. Yes, uh, he's, and he's, he provides the sort of like counterpoint to Ken. Um, he's yes. always, whenever there's any friction, it's usually between those two Kens. But they're all Kens, oh, and they're all Barbies. Sarah, 
plays Alan. So I've, I've just seen I've just seen Michael Sarah plays Alan in it. So that's good. Okay, you know what? The fact that you, it, I know when when we were talking about Barbie years ago, uh, you had said under no circumstances were you going to watch it because you had no interest in it whatsoever. My my ambition or my goal at that point was to try and lure you to go watch it, even if it was a case where I'd surprise you. Uh, but you ended up watching it before me so congratulations yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you know it's it's a one-off film it's i wouldn't say it's for little girls it's more for teens and above and adults it's more aimed at them particularly those little girls who have just given up barbie it it might flash them back to barbie because one of the reasons why she leaves barbie land she's going to she's got to go and find the little girl as it were yeah who is putting thoughts of death in her head and making Ooh, okay. her not be the stereotypical Barbie that she was. I, when she steps out of her shoes, the first time you see her, she steps out of her shoes, she walks on her toes. Okay. But the following day, she steps out of her shoes, she's walking on flats and flat. everyone's shocked. And to repair herself, she has to go into the real world. And that's because she's trying to find this little girl who's putting all these negative thoughts in her head. I mean, there's a weird Barbie in there as well, but that's giving too much away. But uh, okay. yeah, I, I, w- I would say a three, better than I thought it was going to be, but uh, yeah. I have no need to go and see it again. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that's, uh, but I do I'm recommend glad- that you go and see it. I'm, I'm glad you did. And like I said, I, I do want to go see it because I have no reservations about seeing it. I want to go see it. It's just I've not had the opportunity. Everything has just been colliding and I need to get stuff. I get I need to get my my ducks in a row to get what I need. And so but before the end of the month, so before the end of the year, I will definitely have seen Barbie and I'll come back and I'll tell you exactly how I feel. Same thing with Oppenheimer. I'll let you know. One more thing I, about those. Yes. Um, there are some good tunes in there as well. Okay. There are some good tunes. And the tune, the song that I was fearing that was going to be all over the place. Was Aqua that, Barbie Girl? Yeah, that one. Yeah. It's in there at the end, but not in the version that I grew to love yeah. so much. You just answered a question I was lining up to ask you, so that's good. So I'll, <laughs> I'll listen out for that. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And on our, in our spotlight section today, we're going to be talking with Rosalie Minute, who is a comedian. Uh, we'll have a conversation with her about her coming upcoming show. And we'll talk more about that during the spotlight section. But before we do that, let's jump straight into film and TV news. <laughs> is going to kill me for this because i had said we we're going to be talking about a particular article and i just I, I switched it up on him so it's like we were going to talk about a screen rant article about loki season two uh, but i was reading the article and there's a lot of spoilers in the article and i just kept on thinking i don't want to do spoilers just yet so we're going to stop that one but what we are going to look at a um rotten tomato rotten tomatoes article on uh, the best new TV and streaming shows of 2023 ranked. But what I'm going to do, we'll go through the, uh, some of the uh, best ranked TV shows of 2023. And I'm going to ask producer Dave if he has seen any of these shows. Uh, no, number one, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, Happy Valley Season 3. Have you seen this this TV series? 
No, I haven't. I didn't even know it was on. That's a British. That's a British TV series. It was it. The season three um came out earlier this year. I I'd seen it in the past. It's a Welsh TV drama. I'd seen it in the past. It's got Sarah Lancashire, James Norton, uh, George uh, Costigan. I'd seen it when it was when it ca first came out. I didn't watch it, but it was around, and I was like, eh, it doesn't seem like something I would want to go watch. But then season three came out. And I started hearing when they were pr doing promos for season three and they were talking about some of the characters like James Norton's character in it. And I was like, wow, it goes deep. It actually seems like something I would really want to go watch. Uh, we'll skip down the line, move on to the next one. Producer Dave, have you seen Foundation on Apple TV? No, it's one. It's on my list to watch, though, because I've heard that it's actually pretty good. It's rated 100 percent. They started season two on Apple TV. Uh, it stars Jared Harris, Lee Pace, Lee Harvey. In, in all honesty, I started watching it. I got bored halfway through episode one. You know me. I, I like slow burns. Foundation just didn't hook me. I know someone else who's watched it and keeps on. He goes, he goes bananas every time I tell him that I couldn't finish episode one. So... I don't know if I have it in me to go back and watch that episode one again to get into it. Isn't that based on the Isaac Asimov book? I believe. Is it Isaac? I'm, I'm, uh, I, Asimov. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I know that the other one, Silo, was based not on Asimov, but on someone else's book. Um, it was a popular series, book series, which Silo, I'm looking forward to season two coming back when, when they finally get the chance, because I really enjoyed that one. But um, yeah, foundation no didn't hook me. Well, but if it is if it is based on the foundation books by Asimov, then it is going to be a long read because um, well, it's going to be a long show because foundation. I've seen the book. It, it's yeah. it's a tome. It's not just a little book. It's a big old book. So yeah, it's because going to be a very slow, slow moving. Jump, it jumps like hundred years and stuff, and the two stories are going like concurrently and stuff. So I, I again, I don't have a problem with that kind of story structure. It's just, I was bored. I was bored. And anyway, it doesn't matter. So let's move on from the 100 percentage club. Let's move to the 99% Rotten Tomatoes, The Bear. Have you seen The Bear on Disney Plus? Again, no. No, oh, I've only just recently got Disney Plus back. So um, I have not I have not actually gone through a lot of the stuff on Disney Plus, although I have I have uh, watched a few Chip and Dale cartoons, so. Yeah, <laughs> go and check out The Bear. If, if uh, there, there, there was a film that came out, a British film called Boiling Point, which then became a TV series, which is currently on uh, running on BBC, and it's, it stars Stephen Graham and a number of other people. Great film, fantastic film, I think, uh, yeah. Fantastic. It's on Channel 4. I think Channel 4's got it. So if you want to watch the film, you can watch it on um, Channel 4. Yes, where they did the film in one take, right? So it's 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 a great, great, very tense film set in the kitchen. The Bear is pretty much the same kind of thing, but it's set in, in, Amer in America in Chicago. And it's uh, it stars uh, Jeremy Allen White, uh, um, Abby Elliott, and a number of other people. It's a great show. I binged the two seasons that were, that were on Disney+. Plus in four days fantastic show very 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 good okay uh, let's move on from that uh now we'll move into the 98 percentage on rotten tomatoes beef and uh, this is on netflix it stars uh, stephen yuen ali long joseph lee 
uh, it is about, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen trailers for it. And I like Stephen Yuen from uh, uh, Walking Dead. And um, what's the other one? The one he did with Jordan Peele. Not Get Out. Um, nope. He's in Nope. Yeah, that's it. Nope. Uh, he's in that as well. Uh, and it's about these two. It's kind of like if you if you remember the film from the 90s, Changing Lanes, uh, uh, Ben Affleck and Samuel Jackson, where it's just two strangers with a road traffic accident. Uh, essentially, they, 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 they cross paths and they just begin to start going at each other. Just and it start things just start to escalate and escalate and escalate and that's what beef is about. The, 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 it's it's everyone saying it's ninety eight well ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone's saying it's really really good. I saw a clip of it. I do want to go and watch it, but I just haven't brought myself to sit down and binge it. Uh, it's only a few episodes, so I think I'll go check it out and see what it is. Um, all right, but you it's safe to say, producer Dave, that you haven't seen Beef, have you? Uh, no, I haven't. All right, uh, what about Poker Face? Nope, haven't seen that either. So that I I think Poker Face is actually on Amazon Prime. You can get it on Amazon Prime. It stars Natasha Lyonne, Chloe Sevigny. It loads of celebrities are in it. Loads of, like big name actors are in it. Um, it. It's it's a detective series. It's it's Columbo. It's essentially Columbo, right? Uh, but with a recast um, character. So Natasha Lyonne, uh, I can't remember what she who she's called. I watched it a while ago. Um, the, the structure of each episode is the same way Columbo is structured, right? Where each episode is brand new cast of characters. Obviously, there's a, there's a, there's a storyline that's going through the entire season, which is following Natasha Leone's character. But each episode begins with a whole bunch of characters that you've never met. You get to know about their lives, and then you see one character who commits a murder. And you follow up to the point where they commit the murder. Then... Halfway through the episode, it flashes back. And you now see Natasha Leone's character and you see incidents. It's like you see from her perspective going through that character, going through that whole story and how she's intertwined in it. And her character thing is that she is a human lie detector. So she, she's been jumping from, she's like, she's, she's, she, I don't want to say she's a vagrant. She's not a vagrant, but she moves from place to place and she's on the run because she scams some people and a whole bunch of story. You see that at the beginning, but she's on the run. And so she's moving from town to town uh, as she's on the run. But every time she encounters a new group of people, there always seems to be a murder and she always seems to be entwined in it. And that's how you see it from her perspective. It's, a, I really, really enjoyed the show. I thought it was very well written. It is Columbo because you know who the killer is, right? And the joy of the episode is just watching how Natasha Leone figures out what's going on. If I don't know if you've ever, I don't know, I don't know what your feelings are about the Columbo TV series, but I really loved it. I used to watch it Sunday afternoons uh, when I was a kid because it's like you see it and you know the mannerisms and it's like just 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 one just one more thing and you know that he knows from the moment he steps in and you never know why he knows but with that Columbo one you see him detect things and you see him like do the investigation and so on with her there's always the repetition of the fact that she's a human lie detector that's the one thing I kind of had an issue with it where it's like every episode she seems to have to explain herself and it's like just just so just it's the show's way of going Look, 
this is the conceit. This is it. Just go with it. Please, just go with it. And he kept doing that. But I loved it. I really, really enjoyed the show. But you haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't. No, no. I mean, I'm, I have watched Columbo umpteen times. In actual fact, it's on every Sunday. And uh, I'm kind of sick of seeing it because I've seen the episode so many times. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And we are currently talking about some of the films that RottenTomatoes.com has listed as the best ranked TV shows on TV and streaming of 2023 so far. Uh, and I've mentioned a number of them. We, we'll jump into uh, 97% category and then we'll do a couple more and then we'll stop and we'll jump into our spotlight section. Um, succession. Have you seen Succession? No, I haven't. This is the one with Brian Cox. It's got Brian Cox. It's got Kieran Culkin. It's got um, uh, uh, Nicholas Braun and a whole bunch of people, random people in it. Um, it's Adam. Is it, uh, Alan Gluck from Spin City. Love that guy. Whole, he's a whole bunch of people in it. Matthew McFadden, who's in Spooks, is in it as well. Great show. So, okay. So everyone's been raving about it. It's kind of like... Uh, the televised version of the Murdoch family, right? You know, Rupert Murdoch and so on and so forth. That's kind of what it is. Um, and it's following this family where it's very, very rich people, rich, rich a-holes, if you will. Uh, and the patriarch played by um, um, Brian Cox, uh, he essentially starts off where he's obviously, he's, he's getting old, he's about to retire. Um, and it's the whole idea of him handing over the business to his uh, eldest now you know he, he decides he changes his mind this is only like the first couple of episodes anyway he changes his mind and that's where everything goes down now i've started watching it and i'm about five episodes into the first season and i i, I like it it's my kind of thing but again it's it hasn't gripped me enough that I want to sit and make sure I watch everything. I'm and I so I fully agree that it is great. The actors and characters and script is fantastic, and I will get back into it. But I just need time to sit down and, and really nail it. But I'll watch it soon. Anyway, let's look at a couple more, and then we'll move on to our uh, spotlight section. Gen V. This is on Amazon Prime. Producer Dave, have you seen Gen V? No, it's on Amazon Prime, and I haven't got that. So okay. So, so Gen V is a spinoff of uh, The Boys. So if you if you know if you've listened to our show before, you know how much I love The Boys, which is on again Amazon Prime. It, the Boys is based on the graphic novel of the same name, uh, written by I believe Gareth Ennis. I may be mistaken, but anyway, uh, and and the 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 Boys is is a show that follows a world. It's in a world where superheroes are a real thing, but they are they are. Um, they are controlled by this massive organization called Vought, Vought Enterprises. So essentially uh, the corporation are the ones who hire out superheroes to various cities in America, right? Um, and they have like their own version of the Justice League, which is the Seven, which is headed by this character called Homelander, which is essentially every superhero you've seen, they've got the equivalent in, in the boys. But the the idea of the boys, the show itself, is to show that these superheroes, that in the real world, if you had superheroes who have the kind of powers that they have, 
They will have no accountability whatsoever, and they will be worse than what you think. They are Alan Moore's wet dream. This show is Alan Moore's wet dream, essentially, because if you know Watchmen, that was essentially what he was saying. You got superheroes, people who have special powers. They will just, you know, take the piss, if you will, and do it. And this show goes all out with what they do. And the main characters are this group, the boys, essentially, led by Carl Urban, uh, Bill Butcher, where they're humans, but they are there to keep the superheroes in line. That's the concept. That's the story of the boys, right? The spinoff is Gen V, which is following superheroes who go to college, right? So it's a college set up by Vought to raise superheroes, you know, train them on criminology and and uh, PR and so on and so forth, and then rises right through. So you're following some characters who have just gone to college and is carrying on. So it's it's a great show. There are four episodes in so far. Definitely go see it. It is a, it's an amazing show, 100% on board. You listen to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. Producer Dave has just popped out of the room, but he's going to sneak back in and introduce himself in a few seconds. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to jump in and introduce our uh, our guest for today. It has literally been it, it is, it's been like fighting with calendars and and schedules to get this guest in to discuss that's how that's how busy this guest is with with the work that she's been doing with her tour and and and, and her stuff on instagram and booking out soho theater etc which we'll be talking about so first of all i want to throw to uh to to our guest at who's going to tell us her name and what her show is all about so let's throw to you please tell us who you are and what your show is all about Thank you so much, Marcus. I'm Rosalie, and um, my show is called Clementine, and it's a, a one-woman character comedy show um, that I'm going to be bringing to Soho Theatre in a few weeks—a matter of like three weeks, which is kind of terrifying now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, that's my name, and that's my show. And, and it's because it, when we when we were your your PR agent, Flick Morris, fantastic. If you haven't heard, we had we did an interview with her. Any of you who are interested in doing. Uh, comedy shows and need PR go back and listen to our show where we interviewed her she gave us loads and loads of advice on how to do it she put us in touch with Rosalie and as soon as I looked up one of the stuff that you were doing I was thinking huh this is interesting because your your material seemed similar to someone that we had interviewed a few weeks ago and I just flicked through your Instagram and I was like of course it's Christian boy and it's like yeah and so it's because Brighty Boy again, one of our interviews from a while ago, where you're looking, he's he was the uh, the cad, right, the romantic era yes. cad, uh, and I saw you done some work with him, um, and it's sort of in the same sort of era. Now we'd like to tie this particular show because uh, it's a film and TV show. We like to tie it to films and television shows. So I want to start off before we dive into more of your character and your show and what what you do. Um, what I should have given you this as prep. But I, I, I don't. I, as you, anyone who listens to us knows how chaotic we are. So I'm just going to ask you, <laughs> straight off the top of the dome, what is your favorite romance movie ever? Oh, my God. Um, 
okay, fame. Does it have to be romance? It doesn't. Okay, let, okay. Let, let's let's go with let your favorite movie ever, because obviously we'll okay. say favorite movie and then we'll boil it down because so as your your yeah, we might even go period drama because obviously we're well, period <laughs> period comedy because that's what your character is all about. So let's go favorite movie ever and then we'll boil it down. Okay, so my favorite movie ever really rather like i guess like i don't know it kind of feels like you're talking to like a 10 year old boy but my favorite movie ever is gladiator which is really like if you, it's a, i wouldn't have if it's, i wouldn't have thought 10 year old boy uh i i, I because if like you're 50 year old yeah like a guy who's like really into like spit fires you'd think but i i think it's one of those films that i like grew up watching and i've always loved it and I think also whenever you kind of have to come up with your like top 10 movies, yeah. it's one of those ones that just is always in there because I just think it's a perfect movie. I think it, it's historically completely inaccurate <laughs> and it kind of doesn't make any sense. But like in, in terms of the fact that if you watch the extended edition, I'm going into it now, but you, it doesn't Please, make sense. That, go for it. Go for it. But I, I just think it's great. I love, I just love it. I think it's so, it's, I, I love historical drama historical fiction anything that is basically escapism i'm well, obsessed glad with. It's a, i mean I, I i do understand what you mean when you when you say it wasn't historically accurate i don't think i don't think anybody who goes in to watch a, a ridley scott movie with hugh jack not hugh jackman russell crowe uh, looking for historical accuracy ex exactly i mean but <laughs> that film every, every actor in it jim and Hansu is fantastic in it i think it was oliver reed's last film right where he and oh yeah because he died in the middle of shooting and they had to sort of fake some of like get a weird thing in yeah they had to get a weird extra shot from the back so when yeah. he dies it's like really weird because it's just yeah. a guy in a cloak but and it's a, fa a fantastic movie so no no I, I was not gonna mock your choice at all when you said when you said i would have thought you were a 10 year old boy for some reason my brain and i don't i guess this informs more me than you uh when you said you, you know i think you're a 10 year old boy i thought showgirls and i was thinking <laughs> then then you said maybe 15 year old and i was like yeah showgirls would be more of a 15 year old boy as opposed to a 10 year old boy um <laughs> Because a ten-year-old boy doesn't really know what he's watching when he's seeing showgirls. But yeah. I, I was a weird ten-year-old boy. Anyway, <laughs> Rosalie, thank you very much for joining us. We've got somebody else who's with us who's going to introduce introduce himself. So let's throw back to him, and I'll do this again. My name is Marcus Iaco. Uh, welcome to Shoot the Breeze. I'm Marcus Iaco. Yeah, I'm producer Dave, who has got locked out, but never mind. You know, carry on. I'm, I'm not here. Just, just ignore me. You know, tell lies on me again. You know, tell Rosalie that I'm never around and never on time and what have you. This is what happened earlier, by the way, listeners. He told Rosalie that I am never on time. So, anyway, moving on. Hi, Rosalie. Ro Rosalie may not know this because Rosalie doesn't listen to our show, but all our listeners would agree with me whole one hundred percent. Because a lot of the times when we do these interviews, producer Dave is never there. He's always late. Um, he's always locked out, and uh, it's okay. He has to. I I have to carry, but it's okay. It's okay. I don't. You know, I I forgive. I I forgive with all my heart. And uh, producer Dave understands this. So Rosalie, you've just been telling us about your favorite movie. You talked about Gladiator, which is a period piece, uh, not a historically accurate period piece, but a, a period piece nonetheless. And it kind of informs a little bit about the show that you're doing, which is Clementine, right? So let's let's talk. What inspired you to come up with this one woman show, Clementine? 
Um, well, I kind of, I came up with it, the initial idea during lockdown. In this house, actually, I'm at my parents' house at the moment and they live in the countryside in Wiltshire um, and there's lots of like lovely rolling hills and I went a bit mad in lockdown. And just, it was one of those times where you went on these long walks and you just left your own thoughts. And I just kind of came up with this idea of like, I just thought it would be really funny if there was just this like Regency woman who just basically has like no sense of self and, and it's just kind of insane, um, which is what the character is. And I kind of, I just loved it. And ever since then I've kind of been like tinkering away at it, like trying to, is it like a TikTok? Is it like, I didn't know what to do with it. Like I wrote a radio script and then I was like, oh, I'd love to go back on stage again. And so I, I basically, yeah, it kind of came from that. And I um, then, then put it into a full hour long show basically. Um, and yeah, it's basically about so, uh, someone trying to find love, um, but she's kind of, she's thwarted at every every t twist and turn basically. Um, but she's also her own, it gets in her own way a lot as well, which is basically the, yeah, the vibe. And I, I saw one of the clips that you, that you did on Instagram and it is uh, Regency Love Island and uh, you did oh, yeah. it. You <laughs> mentioned how you know Brighty, Brighty boy, who's been Christian boy, who has a similar sort of uh, uh, sort of persona, where he plays the the romantic cad, and the, both of you have multiple characters as characters yeah. who are on Love Island, but Regency Love Island. I loved the the way you flip from one character to different character, different accents, different voices, different personalities. Um, love the DJ one as well. It's like for my sins, I'm a DJ, and I, I just fell out of my seat laughing um so what what kind of so you, you came up with that idea what films tv shows uh, or other comedy uh personas influenced you in coming up with that idea and building your character of clementine um well i think i've, I've been I feel, I feel like i've always been into stuff that's kind of like uh anything that's kind of like takes a bit of like a historical twist of it like you kind of your monty pythons your classics like i've always been into that sort of stuff uh but then i also really like kind of like more surreal styles of comedy so I've always like loved things like the Mighty Boosh like things um like what we do in Shadows like I've always loved that that movie and that kind of like style of humor and um, that kind of like mixes lots of different genres and lots of different like time periods and stuff like that I've always kind of loved that um so that kind of yeah influenced me and then I I really didn't know much about kind of like what character comedy was I guess before I started doing it I kind of was just like you know what I like this I, this I don't know what this is but I'm just gonna do it um which is kind of I've sort of learned along the way as to like what genre I'm actually doing um kind of retroactively um but yeah like, like lots of like loads of different things kind of influenced me like movies I mean obviously the, the classics of the sort of Jane Austen's people love that kind of stuff and they love anything that kind of takes the piss out of it um and then I kind of I love like things that are very like um, cinematic romantic. So there's lots of like bits like references to things like The Great Gatsby in the show, or just kind of very old timey like Romeo and Juliet, like the Baz Luhrmann ones, all of these like '90s um, rom coms that we grew up with, and it kind of like mismatch mismatches it all together. Um, because, yeah, I think as a child, I didn't really have a lot of hobbies. I just watched a lot of TV. <laughs> and, and you had a very successful fringe run because uh, with your, your show getting tons of five-star reviews on the one-woman show that you've gone and done. Uh, be, I mean, as you said, because of you know, lockdown and pandemic, 
you decided you wanted to go back and do stuff. Uh, what, what what was sort of your, what brought you up to that stage uh, where you began performing your one-man show? What was your your history? Chart, walk us through how you got to the point where you were, where you were you, where you're performing Clementine as a professional comedian. Um, well, a lot, like, took a really long time. And I think that it's important, like, whenever anyone asks me, like, they're like, oh, I'd love to do a Fringe show. I'm always like, oh, well, like, it, the, the steps that get you there are, like, it's actually weird process and I think more of it was like a mental thing than an actual like active thing like I think just having making the decision to be like I'm gonna do this and put yourself out there is really scary and I think that was that that was the hardest thing like I used to perform comedy when I was at uni and then left and then during the pandemic like kind of had not then performed for like three years um but I knew I loved it and I knew and I had been to the to like the fringe when I'd been at uni and then I kind of just fell out of practice and I lost loads of confidence on stage. So I really kind of wanted to just put myself out there again. And I like went through a breakup and I lost my job. And I think like all of those like baptism of fire moments that make you kind of like make insane decisions. Um, but I remember when I booked, I, I'd been like, okay, right, I'm just gonna write this hour. And then, you know, work. usually people like, you know, work on their hours for ages, but I just sort of like did an hour. And I was like, right, fine, let's go for it. But when I booked it out, booked out the theatre, um where I just got a pub, pub theatre like it was where was it last it was last year in like April when I first performed it and I just remember being like so scared I remember being just like terrified of the idea of just putting yourself out there like now when I think about it like if I'm booked for something or if I get on stage like I don't think twice about it but that at that moment that jump just felt so terrifying and I just felt so like this, they used to have all of these doubts you're like I'm, I'm it's gonna be bad I'm gonna embarrass myself in front of everyone like all of these 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 things kind of come to your brain and then you just have to like push through it and just do it um and I did I did and it was really fun obviously there was like loads of loads of change since that first show and then I did like a lot of different like festivals around the UK last year to kind of like work and progress it um and then I, I did like a kind of 10 day run at Fringe last year and I, it went really well but I found it really hard to like break into the comedy world as, as I think everyone still like I still do but it's it felt like I didn't know didn't know who to talk to I felt like I didn't know anyone and then I came back from Fringe last year and I was like I'm just gonna keep going um and I did and I got like on all of the the right bills and I kind of met all the right people um and then it kind of like led me into doing a really good run at Fringe which was amazing but yeah it took a lot of perseverance and I think on, on, it's like with everything, like people always see the successes and they don't necessarily see, you know, the, the like when gigs have gone well and I'm like crying after or like, you know, all the money that you spend on these things and the kind of as amazing as it is, you're also performing on your own. And like, I don't have a producer. So it's one of those things where you perform and then you come off stage and whether it's gone well or, or not, it's just you. So it can be quite like, you know, you really have to, to have a lot a good hold over yourself. So I've, I've learned along the way how to, to deal with that. Um, but yeah, it's been quite a journey. I'm proud of, I'm very proud of where I am now, but it's, yeah, it's been, there's been ups and downs. Absolutely. And I, I just want to touch up on the point that you mentioned about how people tend to see it as being, uh, a, a, what is what is it, a, um, a, you know, an overnight success because they don't get to see all the work, hard work that you've done yeah. and they think, oh, wait, this person just came out of nowhere. It's like, no, 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 this has been taken, this has taken a, months, years to get to this point. And now I'm here. That's all that hard work is what's now showing. You're yeah. listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. 
And I'm producer Dave, still um, here. And we are <laughs> producer Dave is like, like, no, I'm still mad at you. And I'm just going to storm off. <laughs> if not for our loyal audience, I would have stormed off ages ago. Uh, we are here with Rosalie Minnett, who is a fantastic comedian. She's doing her one-woman show at Clementine uh, at the Soho Upstairs, it's Soho Upstairs, Soho Theatre, uh, 21 D Dean Street, uh, from the 15th of November to the 18th of November. It's a it's an hour show. To, um, I want to ask you this because, you know, as you even mentioned it yourself, you said people give you advice saying, you know, don't go with one hour, but you decided you were just going to jump straight at it and do the whole one hour uh, performance. Is most of it, is it, is it entirely scripted? Is most of it improvised? What's the ratio of scripted work to improvisation that you do in your one hour show? So I think, it, I mean, like I started, I, I'm, I'm best as a writer, I think. And I, I really became a much better performer as I as I kind of like went on doing the show. Um, but I think I'm probably yeah best as as a writer. So I kind of like scripted the whole thing and it's really like tightly scripted. But as I as I've kind of had more experience on stage and obviously like done a ton of fringe shows, I've now got like elements in the show where like, I can improv and like I can have a little bit of fun um, but I think that also comes with like more experience and more confidence that you allow yourself to have that time and I think you know I've done a lot of like kind of alternative comedy nights where you really are encouraged to just kind of like improvise and go a bit wild and you've got all of these like clowns on the bill and all of this so I think I've, I've learned from those people as well as to like you know how you can get that ratio right and how you can like there are so many things in it where like it's really like tight tightly wound jokes like I'm really like quite um forensic about the script in that like you know it's it's, it's all all in the, the tiny words like sometimes a small word can change the whole joke and can make it a great joke to a, like a, a really funny joke and I so I'm like really really like precious about that but then also like in between all of those moments I like to have moments like if someone's doing something weird in the audience or like whenever I bring, I have moments where I bring members of the audience up on stage, which like always, you know, everyone loves. It's like a really easy laugh and there's always moments for improvisation there. Um, but yeah, in general, it's really like tightly scripted. And I like, and I like that actually, because I like going to see shows where I'm like, oh, wow, they actually like, this is, they really, this is, this is a comedy, but it's like I'm watching theatre. Like it's got, it's got the same like, um, kind of like diligence to the script and I've always like appreciated when I've gone to see stuff like that so I kind of always wanted to I wanted it to be really like dense basically yeah um and that's what it is <laughs> a dense comedy <laughs> I, and in one of one of the reviews that you got uh from the fringe biscuit five-star review uh called it Bridgerton meets Gen Z Jane Austen on Adderall uh, first yeah, of all, pretty, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, what what is your opinion on that on that review? Is it pretty accurate, yeah. or is like way off the mark? I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. It's like pretty. I think. I think also the thing is, is that like the when you do these alternative nights, you're kind of pushed to go crazier. And I did this night last week, and it was a really, really alternative comedy night, like really like fringes. And every time I've done it, I've always like done really badly because I've been like too normal. Yeah. And so I went crazy. And then someone came up after me and they were like, you don't need to go any crazy. <laughs> if, if they're telling me I don't need to, like, I, that's crazy. Like, 
was like, right, okay, I'm gonna stop. So, yeah, um, we just, I think it's a pretty accurate description. So, so with with the with the mention of Bridgerton uh, as as a comparison, have you seen Bridgerton on Netflix? Yeah, I have. I mean, like, I don't. I'm actually. I'm not a huge fan of Bridgerton. I think. It's, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I said like I. I'm. I think it's it's quite a, a like a they've kind of got a formula and they know what works and they know what the people want. Um, so a lot in a, in a ways a lot of it is just like a massive piss take of Bridgerton as well and yeah. like the fact that they play these like ridiculous modern songs and, and they just they just know what the people want and like I do I do really enjoy it but I also just think like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, and and as you as obviously this character Clementine is she's you know she's. Is Jane Austen esque and Bridgerton esque as they've mentioned it, uh, and I've seen some of the clips because I haven't seen the full show, but I've seen some of the clips on uh, on Instagram, and she's a very she's she's fierce, she's very very like in your face. She doesn't she like no apologies. That's my take on some of the clips that I've seen. Um, it, what, in your opinion, would be the best way? somebody who do, who has no idea of the show they're going to go watch it they know that it has elements of oh you know the period romance costumes etc what would you like people to do I, I don't know maybe prepare themselves to be able to come in and watch the show so that they don't come in and sit and think this is what i was expecting i was expecting Bridgerton. i was expecting nice romantic flowery language exactly what would you like people to to keep in mind when they come to watch you at soho theater i think it's it's something to keep in mind that like it's the character is like it's taking taking the piss out of like a bunch of different things so it's like it's about it's it's about you know the way that we absorb culture about romanticism and how that's that's a very like enduring idea like of romantic love and is it is it real is it not and and kind of the way in which that's really reflected in lots of different kinds of cultures i would say like give it a chance i think one of the one of my favorite reviews that i got was about the fact that they said this is like the show isn't as like it's quite what you think it is in the sense that like it's you kind of go in and you're like oh okay it's a regency spoof okay but then they like went on to to be like there's a lot more than meets the eye and i think that's what i would i would say like that's exactly what i wanted it to be like i studied that period of history at uni and i've always been interested in romanticism so you might go to it and be like oh this is such a stupid show but i rest assured there's a lot of thought in it. um so yeah i would say that that's like that's I would say like keep an open mind it's designed to just be funny like it's just fun and it's also I it was it, it was the show that I I needed when I was sad about like my heartbreak and I wanted to make a show that I I needed at that time and there are people that, that then came to see me see the show at Fringe and they were like oh, I really needed that show like I don't really know why and I don't really know like why I found it weirdly emotional at that moment or what like they were just saying that they like, just really needed that in that day or in that moment um and that was what I wanted so it's yeah in in a world which is increasingly very um yeah overwhelming I think it's a, a sort of it's a bit of fun and that's that's all I wanted to do Excellent. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And I have a quick question I want to ask. Um, earlier you said that you your, one of your favourite films, what, what your favourite film was? The Gladiator. Okay. Yeah. But you also mentioned what we do in the shadows as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
and that's a comedy. And on TV at the moment, they're showing a dramatization of Interview with a Vampire. So have you been watching that? And what is your take on it? And that goes to Marcus as well. Might as well throw you in, get you under the bus. I'll, 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 I'll pass it. Okay, so so it's uh, um, Interview with the Vampire. So there's a film, which is the Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dernst and uh, Kristen Slater film from like the 90s. And there's a dramatization uh, which has uh, just come out. It's on BBC, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, it's slightly updated. I I'd, I'd pro I promised producer Dave that I was going to watch it because he'd watched it and we were going to talk about it. And uh, unfortunately, I discovered that uh, Bosch Legacy had now come out. And also another show on Netflix, uh, Fall of the House of Usher had also come out, which is, which, and then there's Rick and Morty season seven, which came out and it's like stack on stack on stack on, and Married at First Sight season, whatever. So in other words, what he's trying to say is he hasn't watched it. Go, let's move on to you, Rosalie. Yeah. <laughs> I've been watching Married at First Sight, if that helps. Yay! All right, great. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Outnumbered, producer Dave. Ah, ah. <laughs> All right. Let, okay. So, so great. Let me ask you this question because we're here with Rosalie Minute, who is, has got her one woman show, Clementine, which is going to be at Soho Theatre from the 15th to the 18th of November. Go and check it out. But, uh, uh, Rosalie, I want to ask you um, imagine Clementine was on Married at First Sight. I would oh. like you to describe what you think her journey on that show would be? Would she last till the end or would she say leave and would her partner say leave or would the partner say leave and she say stay for constant, you know, constantly every week when they're doing the uh, the sessions? At the end. Tell us, what is Clementine's journey in Married at First Sight? So I'm desperate to do like a TikTok spoof of this because I think that like Married at First Sight and that show are like a match made in heaven. I think that she would do, like I'd love to do what I think I should reach out to Christian and be like, let's do a Married at First Sight spoof <laughs> because it's yes. perfect. I think that she would be, because she's, she, the point of the show is that she like really wants to find love. And that is very sincere, even though that she's a very insincere person and kind uh -huh. of mean. She is. She does really believe that she needs to find it. I think she'd go in there and be like, read, and she'd be one of those brides who's like really disappointed with who she finds at the altar and wouldn't hide it. Yeah. Um. And then you know how there's always that that storyline of someone who asks for someone di someone better or someone different, um, and then they get that that the yes. different person that they're really disappointed with it. So I think it would be something like that. That's what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that she might have a little something with another one of the, the grooms. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put it past her. I think that, I think that she would also have a lot to say about other people's relationships. I yeah. think crucially, that would be a really big, big part of it. Um, Perfect. Yeah. You need to reach out to Christian. You need to reach yeah, out to Christian. Yeah, I know, Christian. I need to do it. I and 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 I know and and I know a number of other comedians that would be great that can team up and you'll make a whole big thing. Do it, we need to uh, do it. Yeah, so that that's that's it. So producer Dave, thank you very much for bringing up Married at First Sight, uh, so we could chat a little bit about that. I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I, I just I just seem to be the gateway for that particular discussion <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh, Rosalie, just just in answer to to, to to just bring back uh, producer David's question about um, interview with the vampire. Is that something you, you have you have you not seen it yet? No, I've never seen it. I don't know. I actually, I for my sins, I've never heard of it. Okay, so oh, it's you haven't heard even about the movie in the nineties. No, which okay. I'm like pretty on top of movies, so I, I feel bad about that. This this is us showing our age. So uh, it, it is it's it's based on um, Anne Rice. It's an Anne Rice novel, um, and it's basically charting this in this uh, vampire. Literally, it's an interview with a vampire. So it's set in the in the nineties because it's obviously in the nineties. Um, the Brad Pitt is this vampire who's doing an interview with Christian Slater, who's uh, a journalist, and he basically tells him the story of how you know way back i can't remember which period uh, produced they what period did they go back to i think it was the 18th century 18th century and it you know brad pitt is how he gets turned by um lestat which is played by tom cruise and tom cruise is this you know this vampire who's been going for for years and centuries and whatnot and so the two of them basically tear through you know through i think it's europe or yeah, i think it's europe and then you see them going through the years how they then meet Kirsten Dunst as a kid, turn her into a vampire. And it's it's a great film, great story. I really want to see the updated version, which is the one that Producer Dave is talking about. And I'll, I'll Producer Dave, I'll make this promise to you. The next time we talk, I would watch it. <laughs> okay, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you now, it's completely and utterly updated, including references to the pandemic and everything else. Oh, wow. So it's totally updated and it's moved from continents as well. So it's based in America and it's a I was hooked I, I've come across it by accident and I watched the last 35 minutes of the second episode and I was hooked after five minutes so I, I do recommend it it's on BBC iPlayer if you if you need to catch up definitely definitely um all right so Rosalie we've already talked about the fact that you watch Married at First Sight so that's great we already talked about the fact <laughs> that you don't watch Interview with the Vampire um you mentioned the film What We Do in the Shadows. Have you seen the TV series What We Do in the Shadows? Yes, yes. What do you think of it? Do you know what? I think this is maybe a bit of a hot take. I know <laughs> not a lot of people agree with me in that in this, but I, I mean, I love all of everyone in that show. Like Matt Berry is is amazing. Like Natasha Dimitri is like one of one of my favorite comedians. So it's not necessarily a thing about them. But I, I, I think the film is, is such a perfect like indie comedy film. It's so like every line in that is, is there's like not there's no throwaway moments. Everything is perfect. Whereas I think because it's it's something that's been so made in a TV show means that they need more content. But also I think because it's like for a, a wider audience, it almost feels like there's there's moments in the script where I'm like that's bang on, that's perfect. And then it then it kind of goes to like a really like SNL type bit of humor. And then it'll then it'll like swing to a to a, a sort of quite easy jokes, and then it'll do something really weird. And it feels like it's kind of trying to uh, um, kind of like appease or appeal to like a loads of different kinds of style of comedy, which I think is kind of I guess what you have to do when you're beholden to like a bigger pro like production. But what I love about that film is that like it's it stays stays so true to that kind of comedy. Whereas like there's like I don't know there's just moments in the in the TV show that I'm like. I'm getting like whiplash for the styles here. And like, I, I love that. I hate that. I love that. I hate it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's hard to describe it, but 
I don't, if, it doesn't always help for me. If anybody ever tries to argue with you on the point that the TV, the film is miles better than uh, yeah, the show, and, and you know, you find yourself losing that argument, tag me in because I agree with 100%. <laughs> I, when when the, I, I'm a huge fan of the movie Taika Waititi as a director when when he's on form he's fantastic yeah, when he's not going crazy yeah I mean I, 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 I'm a huge Marvel or MCU fan um, one of my favorite MCU movie the, the, the trilogy of Guardians of the Galaxy is always there number one for me but then straight after that trilogy is Thor Ragnarok because Taika Waititi yeah. smashes it I don't like uh, love, lo I don't like Love and Thunder because Love and Thunder, it's like he got a little bit too, you know, relaxed with it. And it's like, ah, come on. Yeah. But with what we did in the shadows, fantastic movie, 100%. I, I was so eager to watch the TV series. And you you hit the nail on the head. All the actors, Matt Berry, you mentioned Matt Berry. And he's like, he, he's so, he, that voice. He, he He's my favorite part of SpongeBob SquarePants, Sponge Out of Water. Because, and he, he's the he's the dolphin that is protecting the uh, the planets from colliding. He, he Just his voice alone is fantastic. I watched the first episode. I stopped halfway through the first episode because I was like, yeah. no, this, no, it's, yeah, it doesn't work for me. So I agree with you 100%. Uh, Rosalie, we want to thank you very much for coming and joining us on oh, Shoot the Breeze. Uh, you, 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 we hope that your show carries on with all the five-star ratings. Um, and in fact, just one quick question I want to ask. I know you're doing your show. At Soho Theatre, you're doing that run from the 15th to the uh, 18th of November. So if you haven't booked your tickets, tickets, we'll put we'll put as a show notes on here. But how can people find that ticket? How can people follow you on social media so they can know to go and buy your tickets? So if you go to the Soho Theatre website, you can find tickets there. Um, the Friday's sold out and the Saturday's almost sold out. So I'd like recommend getting in. Um, it's in three weeks, three and a half weeks, um, since there's time. And uh, you can get tickets on their website and then you can find me on um, Instagram, it's probably the easiest. I'm called Rosalie Minutes and you can get all the ticket links there and whatever stupid things I, I choose to share. <laughs> Yeah, if if you don't recognize her, she's the one. Her face is the one with the, the with the scowl that's looking at you when you see her picture on there. You'll yeah. that her. that's that's and it's minute with two one, two T's at the end. One quick question, Rosalie: Do the Soho Theatre hold any uh, walk-in tickets? Do they hold back any um, tickets for people who just turn up on the day? Yeah, so they'll always hold uh, tickets. So they've got basically on the upstairs, they've got like a side bit there. So they've always kind of got tickets that they release on the day. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're sort of like, it's, it, they, sometimes they can be expensive. So if you're not sure and you're kind of like, what's going on, um, then yeah, be, feel free to walk in on the day. And equally, if you know if you buy a ticket and you can't make it, like let me know and I'll sell it on. Um, and yeah, and it would just be really nice to like meet or yeah welcome new audiences to the show because that's kind of the most exciting part about doing another run so i really hope i can get like can reach sort of new people excellent go check out clementine before it becomes too hot to sell to buy tickets it'll just be, it'll be a situation where it'd be like um what's that what's what's the uh, hamilton it'll be like hamilton it'll literally be a case yeah, where we'll, we'll, yeah sure it's like right i'm announcing new show sold out it's done so uh go <laughs> and check her out at soho theater rosalie thank you very much for joining us and you're welcome back Anytime you want to just message us and say, you know, to come and give us an update on Clementine's trip on Married at First Sight. You need to let oh, us God, know. yes, I will. Great idea. 
And that was my conversation with Rosalie Minute. Go check out her show. Uh, we have jam-packed episode today, so we've got to rush. I want to thank you all very much for taking the time uh, to listen to us ramble, especially me, ramble about random TV shows that I really like, like Gen V and uh, Succession to a certain extent and so on and so forth. Uh, go check those out. If you disagree with us, message us. Let us know what you think uh, about the shows. I want to thank Resonance FM for, uh, for not listening to us. Otherwise, they would have cancelled us by now, uh, and so on and so forth. But uh, yo, go listen to all the other shows that are on Resonance FM. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.